Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Now, I have given up everything else, which I knew to be the only way to really know Christ. I haven't learned all I should, but I keep working towards the day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be. Knowing him more and more, knowing me. Welcome to your Carl House and now, our senior pastor, Reverend Gilbert Osei. So we've been dealing with, are you listening to the voice of the Spirit of God or are you listening to the leading? It's always a challenge with me. I'm sure I took it from my pastor with titles. But at least you get where we are going and where we have been and where we are trying to find out through God's word, if whatever we think we are hearing or whatever we are hearing, making sure it is God's voice we are hearing and as a believer, making sure you understand to follow the leading of the spirit. We have said that a believer does not lack leading or direction. Because he's born of light and light signifies or stands for direction. The believer does not lack direction. And it's simply because the believer is born by light. And light stands for clarity and direction. We again also have said through our studies that the believer doesn't pray to be led. The moment you ask God to lead you, it means you have been leading yourself. The Bible says they that are led by the Spirit of God are the true sons of God. So now asking God to lead you simply means he has not been leading you. And if God has not been leading you, then we can question your salvation. Because the proof of your salvation is the fact that you are led. The proof of your salvation is that you are led. Okay. Again, we said, now I'm taking my time because I'm going to read. On the subject of God's leading and guidance... On the subject of God's leading and guidance, it is fundamental to understand that the written word guides all forms of leading. On the subject of God's leading and guidance, it is fundamental to understand that the written word Guides all forms of leading. The written word 
is the guide to any form of leading. Simply put, God cannot, will not lead or guide you outside his written word. God cannot, will not lead or guide you outside of the written word. So the written word serves as a check and balance for whatever we are hearing. If you are presuming to hear from God about any situation, the guide to what God says do, or you think God is requesting you to do, is the written word. Is that clear? Simply put again, you can find what to do in the written word. It's actually where I'm going today. It should be my last statement. I've said it first and I'm going to break it down. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. A popular scripture. Sometimes when a, a scripture becomes popular, we tend to take it for granted and miss certain key instructions that should be a blessing to us. So never allow a scripture to look common. No scripture is common. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. If any man be in Christ, the man who is in Christ is a new breed. Old things are passed away. Old things, key things we notice was he uses old things, Pura, are passed away. Behold, all things are become And then new. he says, all things have become new. Look at 18. And all things are of God. And he says, all the things that he's talking about, they are of God. Who hath reconciled us? Take it again. We go to 17. Just pay attention to how the scriptures flow. If any man be in Christ, he that is a- man is a new creature. Then he says, he's talking about things, but he uses an adjective, right? Old. Old is an adjective. Describing the noun. So the things is old. Then he says, there are things that have become new. So, in my old man were things, they are old. In my new man are things, they are new, but this time they are of God. Does it make sense? There are old things about me with my old man, old self, they are gone. I'm a new creation. And there are things also about the new creation, but this time, the things that are about the new creation, they are all from God. Am I making sense? 
Okay. So I said, when a verse of scripture, there is repetition of things, things, it means we have to pay attention to it. He talks about things, meaning that what we have in Christ is not singular, but it is plural. Things. Or what you received in Christ is not a single thing. There are things in Christ. That's why Philemon 1, 6 says that the communication of your faith becomes effective by you acknowledging every good thing that is in you that are in Christ. There are things in Christ. There are things, things, things. He can't use every, and it's the singular. Do you get that? He says the communication of your faith shall become effectual by the acknowledging of every. Even though he uses thin, but he uses the word every. Every can't be one. Oh? If it is one thing, you say that one thing but if he says every everything in the house can never be one thing is that clear I am trying to help you understand that in Christ we don't have one thing practical example in Christ we have righteousness in Christ, we have eternal life. In Christ, we have the power of God. In Christ, we have the spirit of God. So, these are the everything. In Christ, we have leading. In Christ, we have guidance. So, he says, you have to know the things you have. Then, in Corinth, he says... You should behold. Interestingly, please read the scripture again, 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians He didn't five. say you should behold the old things. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are old passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold. What do you behold? All things are become new. Are you seeing? So there's consistency in theology and truth. It's the same thing he said in second in Philemon 1 to behold, to pay attention, to acknowledge, to pay attention to the things that are in you. So a Christian must pay attention to what he has in Christ. Than what is passed in him. I wish there's a better way of saying this. Did you get that? He didn't tell us to behold the things that are past. Unfortunately, some Christians live in their past life. They even live in the life that they were in before they became Christians. They are worried about the things they did. Who they were. 
And sometimes, I remember some years ago, I used to invite people. We had a program called Testimony Time. You come and tell us the bad, bad things you used to do. For what? In Christ, all things are passed away. And I'm saying that the behold, which means or implies to pay attention to. The word behold means to pay attention to. I said what we should pay attention to, according to the instruction of Paul, is not all things. But in Christ, what we pay attention to in Christ are the things that are in Christ that are in us. The new things. The all things that are become new. So the focus of the believer is what is in Christ that is in him. Not ancestral curses and bloodline, whatever. And the family you are coming from. That is not what the Bible instructs us to behold. So paying attention to what your grandfather did that has caused whatever is not what we are instructed by scriptures to do. Are you here? So when somebody comes to me and says, Papa, somebody said he had a dream and that my grandfather did something and because of that it has caused a problem. That's why, you see, my sister is not married, my senior sister, the other sister, and the other sister. What do you say to these things? The grandma will say, go away. That's my own Bible verse. What shall we say to these things? You just say, go away. He says, behold, pay attention to all the things that have become new. Life, you can choose what you focus on. Some people have chosen to focus on their failures. People can organize programs. On the past. Our program is on dreams you have had. If you have ever had a dream you are eating, come forward. Who has not had a dream you are eating? Except you are dead. As long as you eat in the flesh, you eat in the dream. <laughs> Let me move on, I beg. Next point. So there are specific things believers ought to pay attention to. There are specific things that believers or there are specific things the believer ought to pay attention to and you pay attention to to know and to understand. The all things that are of God, the believer must know that all things and to understand the all things. Are you following me? I said 
that there are things that the believer must pay attention to. And in the paying attention to them, it is to know them and to understand them. Just like Philemon 1, 6 again, that your effectiveness is dependent on you having precise, accurate understanding. Then it causes your effectiveness. So there are things... I've already told you the use of things means it's not singular. There are things in Christ I must pay attention to them and know them and understand them. So I pay attention, I know, I understand. The reason I pay attention this point, the reason I must pay attention to understand them is that if I don't, If I don't, I will not know the things that belong to me in Christ. And when I don't know the things that belong to me in Christ, it will not make me an effective Christian. The reason I must know and pay attention to them is that if I don't, I wouldn't know. That's why several years I used to pray to invite the Holy Spirit. I did not know that it is written in the Bible that do you not know <laughs> that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is not a visitor in you but the Holy Ghost resident in you. So because I didn't know, I didn't understand that the believer houses the Spirit of God. So I am the house of the Spirit of God. And then I come and I'm calling, come, Holy Spirit, we need you. Say, bro. So, you do this, or we did this out of ignorance and not paying attention to know. Because we were busy paying attention to what we shouldn't pay attention to. So what we should pay attention to that will help us, we didn't. And that's life for you. When you pay attention on the wrong things, you become ineffective on the right things. When you pay attention on the wrong things, you become ineffective. When you concentrate on negative, you don't see positive. Some people, all they see about their life is error, mistake, wrong. They don't see any positive. Some people don't see good. You must see even good in bad. Not call bad good, no. 
but see that this situation is not going to be like that forever when you focus on negativity you will never see positive so when you pay attention on negativity you effectively negative you are effectively negative because you are paying attention on negative when you pay attention positive you are effectively positive when the church focus on evangelism we are becoming effective in it when we didn't used to go your first time of going for evangelism you didn't know how to even approach people right so whatever you focus on you become effective in it so the believer must pay attention when you wake up meditate Paul said those things that are lovely those things that are of good people he said such things you should what think about but when you wake up and all you think about yourself is that you are what you are what negative you have to see yourself in the light of God not in the light of your experiences see yourself in the light of God's word what has God said about you your feelings your emotions cannot be trusted because they are happy today they are sad tomorrow so how can you build your life on your emotions how you feel I feel like I feel like when a joke can make you smile laugh and something irritating can make you angry in one minute Are you here? So your focus should be the word of God. So he said you should behold these things so you can have an effective Christian life. Are you here? Next point. In essence, in the revelation of Christ, in the revelation of Christ is found the revelation of the believer. In the revelation of Christ, knowing who Christ is, what he has, what he can do, what he gives, you will know who you are. In the revelation of Christ is found the revelation of of the believer acknowledge every good thing that is in you that is in Christ so the revelation of Christ unveils the believer simply put when we know him we know ourselves when we know him we know ourselves. Knowing him, knowing me. We good? This clearly means a believer's Christian life. This clearly means that a believer's Christian life is only as effective to the degree. This clearly means 
that the believer's Christian life is only as effective to the degree that he understands every good thing or all the things that are in him that are in Christ. This clearly means a believer's Christian life is only as effective to the degree that he understands every good thing or all things in him in Christ. Hear me. Pause and listen to me. You can judge the effectiveness of your Christian life. You yourself. You can judge the effectiveness of your Christian life. Based on the degree, on the degree of understanding you have concerning who you are in Christ. Till you understand who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, you can't have a progressive Christian life. So identity crisis is not a luxury of a believer. Right? Identity crisis. You can't, you can't, you can't be confused about who you are and what he has made you. You cannot. It doesn't matter how many notebooks you have, you have written. Your ability to understand. You can write and not understand. Very nice notes, handwriting. Do you understand who you are? That's why first you need to know to understand. Sometimes you think you have heard it, you can even repeat it. But has your mind and your heart comprehended what you are saying? That is why it is called acknowledging. Paul uses the word acknowledging. You, you have to. When you send something to somebody, and person says, acknowledge receipt. It's a different thing. It's all, all that God has done in Christ, he is not now doing it all. It has been done. What is left is you acknowledging. Or better still, let me take you the first step before the second one. It is even written in the Bible for you to even find out what has been written. To know, that's knowledge. And then when you know, to acknowledge it. Because God can tell you I'm forgiving you and you will say, I don't think you are forgiving me. That's two steps. There is what he has said and what you acknowledge. You go to evangelism, people are arguing. Are you sure? Are you saying? I am not saying. It is what the word of God says. Are you saying that all my sins are forgiven? Are you saying that any? I am not saying. Most of the time, don't allow people to say you are saying. Because the Bible, you didn't write it. Are you with me? It is what the word of God says. Until the person acknowledges it. Sin consciousness. Unworthiness. It will never leave. And such things cannot be. We can't pray for you. 
It is like believing in Jesus. In his death, burial, resurrection. Nobody can pray for you too. I pray for you. May you be born again. Then you open your mouth, Dua, then you are born again. No. You have to know what Jesus has done. And when you know, you acknowledge in your heart. Do you get it? He says, if thou shalt confess with your mind and believe it in your heart, acknowledge it in your heart. Because you can say it with your mouth and your heart is fighting it. Jesus says, many dwell on me day and night with their lips, but their heart are far away. So you can, your mouth can be saying something your heart does not agree. That is why it's not what the mouth is saying, you know. It is what the heart believes. It is an inner thing. That's where the acknowledging is. That's why Christianity is faith. I have to believe what Jesus has done. I said it on Sunday. I don't need to believe in what I have done. I don't need to believe I have money in my pocket. I put it there. If another put it there, then I will have belief and faith that somebody has put in money. I believe. It's different. So, in our Christian work, the acknowledging is done by you. And the acknowledging starts by knowledge. You have to know. And when you know, you have to acknowledge Know and acknowledge. I'll be talking about this in the future. One of the questions people always ask, so okay, how do I apply the word? We don't apply the word. Application of the word is acknowledging the word. Did you get that? How, so, okay, now that you say, how do I apply it to my day-to-day life? The application of God's word is the acknowledging of God's word. So the application is believing. When you believe, you have applied. The word of God says, in him, you have forgiveness of sins. How do I apply this? I have to believe it. When you believe it, you are working in it. Did you get that? I'll take it again. A lot of time, I said, people ask questions. So, pastor, how do we apply this now that we have heard the gospel? How do we apply it to our day-to-day life? How does this word become real? And I'm saying that the word of God is only acted by belief, which is equal to acknowledging. So, you apply the word with your heart. So, if God says you are forgiven, how do I apply that? I walk with the mindset that I am forgiven. The moment I start asking for forgiveness, I have not applied, I have not acknowledged, I have not believed. So my not asking for forgiveness after any act of error is a proof that one, I am applying the word, or no, let me start, that one, I, am, I have believed what he has said, and then I am applying it. 
If you come and tell me you have paid for, you have deposited the money at what I'm calling Harrods. I should go and pick whatever I want. I don't have to think of any. I just have to walk in the shop and start collecting. If I am not going to say, ah, prof, please, are you there? Ah, how can I go? You didn't give me any card. I don't have money on me. I don't want anybody to go and embarrass me. It means I didn't believe what you said. Are you, are you getting me? When someone, okay, maybe you don't know how, so let's take to Papa here. <laughs> so if I come and tell you, I've paid for 10 packs of Papa here, just go. When you go, just mention your name. That you are Francis, they'll give it to you. And then I call you after two hours. You said you are hungry, and I've told you I've done it. Uh, why are you saying I'm in the house? Oh, why are you in the house? Hmm, I'm very hungry. Uh-uh. But I said I paid for hey, but you didn't, you didn't tell me who should I go and see. That now started to know. Then what if I go and they tell me you have not paid? That's doubt. The moment you are confident of who has done it, you don't even ask questions. You walk in it. You, you know what I mean? Those days, I remember when I had a governor friend, when I get to Port Harcourt, when police even stop me, I get angry. Because I knew the governor was my friend. What you do you know? I'll pick my phone. I entered places with boldness. Because I knew I was covered. As long as I was in his jurisdiction, everything was covered. So, in Christ, you are under God's provision, God's credit card. So, how you walk in God's word, apply God's word, is to believe, acknowledge, and move like that. So, if God says you are his son, you are not now going to pray for that. Please, can you make me your son? I beg you, you know. It is a proof you doubt what he has done. Whatever God has done that you still plead for is a sign you don't believe what he has done. If Jesus says he has forgiven you and you are praying and crying and fasting for forgiveness, it means you doubt his word. If you believe God's word, it will not even cross your mind to ask for forgiveness. We walk in the newness of life. You walk in who you are. I walk in what he has done. Is that clear? So how do we apply the word? How do we apply the word? We acknowledge, we believe, we acknowledge and we walk in it. If he says you are free, say you are free. If he says nobody can touch you, say nobody can touch you. So when somebody says, hey, they have poured juju on the floor. If you step in, then you are going to pour oil. Please, can I get olive oil? Father, you know who I am. It is me, oh Lord. That prayer is even a sign you doubt what he has done. When they pour juju, the son of God, child of God, does not pray about juju. He walks through it and no evil shall befall you. When somebody is sick, it's not now you are going to fast and gather. I said, oh, why was that those days? Yeah. You are now calling power into your hand before you lay hands. You don't know who you are. He says, Go. 
The goal is the command. The power is in the goal. And when you go, he says, these signs will follow you in whose name? In your name? Are you under your own authority? Do you have your own credit card? No. He says, in my name, you will cast out. He didn't say, in your capacity, in your accomplishment, in what you have done. He says, in what I have done, you will. So, my willing is because of what he has done. So, all I need to do is to believe, acknowledge, walk in it. But if you go and stand by the sick person, say, oh, Father, I'm not ready to be called your son. Take me as one of your humble servants. Father, this one, if you don't come in, if you don't intervene, they start calling angels. May the angels of God, wherever they are, but the instruction they gave you, angels, was not part of it. He says, lay your hands on the sick in my name. He didn't say you even mention my name. It's for another day. I have a teachings on that. You understand. Because the instruction in Mark is this. He didn't say, when you go and you mention my name, tell them it is me. Are you ready? Let's go on, my dear. So that means that the level of understanding that the believer has, next point, that means that the level of understanding that the believer has, the level of understanding the believer has of what he has in Christ, the level of understanding that the believer has of what he has in Christ, the level of understanding the believer has of what he has in Christ is equivalent to the level of effectiveness. is equivalent to the level of effectiveness he will have in his participation in the faith. Is equivalent to the level of effectiveness he will have in his participation in the faith. I start that sentence again. I said that means that the level of understanding that the believer has of what he has in Christ is equivalent to the level of effectiveness he will have in his participation in the faith. So your effectiveness cannot be more than what you acknowledge. It's as simple as that. Your effectiveness... is equals to your understanding 
how much you acknowledge, accept, understand is how much effective you become. So if the believer acknowledge and accept and know that he can lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover, he will be laying hands on the sick and the sick will recover. If the believer thinks that he needs to call his pastor, I know my pastor. When I call my pastor now, and my pastor prays, the level of understanding, acknowledging you have is the effectiveness of your participation. That's why some preach, some don't preach. Some lay hands and people are receiving and being filled with the Holy Ghost. Some feel, who are they? That's why some Christians speak in tongues, some don't. The level of knowledge they have they think tongues is for some people. If you think tongues is for some people, how will you tongue some? If you think tongues has passed, how will you have the current one? Are you getting it? So you can't, you can't be beyond what you acknowledge. That's why you can't attract what you don't honor. It's as simple as that. Honor is key in Christian work. What you honor, what you cherish, is key. You honor his word, you honor his man, you honor the word of a man of God, you honor. That's it. There's that effectiveness that comes with it. Look, there were 12... Disciples in the boat. Jesus was walking on. Some say he's a ghost. Others, whatever. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, bid me to come. Why didn't all of them say, Lord, Lord, if it's you, say we should all come. Or when Peter started walking, why didn't the rest follow? You are as effective as the word you believe. Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 through 11. Colossians 1 9 through 11. Colossians. Colo. Chapter 1. 9 through 11. Colossians Please chapter take your one. time. Let's read it because the scriptures are self explanatory. Colossians 1 9 through 11. Colossians mm. chapter 1, verse 9 to 11. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. You will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Uh-huh. In all wisdom. So and when you are filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. And spiritual understanding. And spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy. Instead of that, put then. Verse 10. Can we all read it together with a then? Then you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in everything. Every good work and increasing 
in the knowledge of God. Then you are strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Do you understand that? That when you have an understanding of God's will, which is God's wisdom, that will inform how you walk. Are you here? The next point. In other words, the believer walking worthy of the Lord unto all. The believer walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and being fruitful. In other words, the believer walking worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing and the believer being fruitful in every good work is a function of increasing in the knowledge of God. I take it again. I said in other words, the believer to be able to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That the believer is walking to please God and being fruitful in every good works. Is a function of the believer increasing in the knowledge of God into bracket the knowledge of Christ. So a believer whose walk will be worthy of the Lord, a believer whose walk will please God, a believer whose walk in Christ will be fruitful in all good works, is a believer. Who is functioning in the increasing knowledge of God? Is that right? When a believer wants to walk worthy of God, I want to do God's way. When a believer wants to make sure that whatever he's doing for God is the right thing. When a believer wants to make sure that he's increasing in fruitfulness in his work for God. That believer needs to function in the knowledge of God. So if I have the knowledge of what God has done in Christ, it informs my work with God. It informs my effective Christian work. When you know the word of God, you know the will of God. That's the best way to put it. When you, oh, let me put it that way. When you know and understand the word of God, you will know and understand the will of God. When you know, because you can know and not understand. People quote scriptures, they don't even understand what they are quoting. When you know and understand the word of God, you will know the will of God. It's as simple as that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Are you following? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans chapter 12. Please turn your Bibles there and follow the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. He says, as a Christian, don't be conformed to this world. 
But be ye transformed. But a believer must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So why do I have to transform by the renew of my mind if it's automatic? He's simply saying I have to pick what God has said, acknowledge it, and walk in it. I will take what I just said again. You see, God saves your spirit. God saves the unseen. My body has to align with what God has done in my inner man. But the body will not align if the mind has not been renewed. When I hit your skin, signals are sent to your brain. Your brain sends it back to your body and says there is pain. So your body's reaction is based on information. He says, you can as a Christian be living like an unbeliever. You are a child of God. God has not rejected you. To God you are his son. But you can still be living like a rejected person. You can still, there are several Christians who pray and say God should accept them. Do you think God is listening to their stupidity? He's already accepted them, so they are just wasting their time. But for that believer to stop wasting their time, the believer must speak God's word and say it to his mind. I don't need to pray to become a son of God. As long as I am born again, I am a son of God, I am accepted. My mind has to. And he says, when your mind hears that, that is what is going to cause the transformation. And that transformation will then affect my actions and my decisions. If a Christian doesn't know, a born again doesn't know you're a child of God, he will marry anybody. He will go on Facebook and start looking for husband. But when a believer knows that he's a child of God, and a child of God does not look for husband like that, he will not be conforming to the world system. He will be applying the word of God to his or her life. A child of God will not be going for blind date. Something is wrong with you. Blind date is not a, script, a scriptural word. Is a worldly system. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed. How do you get transformed? Read the scripture again. And be not conformed Don't to this conform. world. Don't go after the way the world is doing their things. But be transformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. That ye may prove. So that you will be able to prove. What is that good? What is that good? And acceptable. And what is acceptable. And perfect will of God. And what is God. the perfect will of God. Till I apply the word of God to my mind. I will know God's will. Some believers, how they met their husband or wife is like the acting movie. You watch too much Nigerian movie, you are using it to apply to your life. Make sure. 
you don't conform to this world. There are certain terms the church has accepted. They are not church terms. I'm saying again, the church doesn't do blind dates. The church doesn't do meswahe. Because we are led by the Spirit. We don't do guesswork. We are men of the Spirit. So our decisions are Spirit-inspired. I want to hit some notes. Read the verse again. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Mm-hmm. And be not conformed to this be world. Be not conformed. Be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed. But be ye transformed. By the renewing, by of, the your renewing mind, of your mind. That ye may prove. So that you will be able to prove. What is that good? What is that which is good? And acceptable. And acceptable. And perfect. And perfect will, will of, God. of God. So till I renew my mind, I will know what is good. An acceptable will of God. Next point. In essence, when the believer renews, when the believer renews, into bracket, re-educates. Renew means to re-educate. That is, there's something you used to know about yourself. You have to re-educate. That's why in Christianity, we unlearn to learn. I used to think. But it's not what you used to think anymore. It is what the word of God says you are. Say, I am who the word of God says I am. Oh, say it with boldness. Say, I am who the word of God says I am. So I have to re-educate my mind. The natural mind will put you in a place of condemnation. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. But the child of God renews his or her mind with the word of God. What God says you are. Are you here? So, when the believer renews into bracket, re-educates his mind with the written word. So, you don't re-educate your mind with what somebody said. With the written word. That is key. When the believer re-educates, renews his mind with the written word, he will recognize. When the believer renews, re-educates his mind with the written word, then he will recognize and consequently walk in the will of God. So for the believer to walk in the will of God, the step is one. The believer must re-educate his mind with the written word. How do I walk in the will of God? Step one. A case of four per steps. <laughs> Don't mind that step I said. It's not, I'm just telling you that to re to, to walk in the will of God, I need to re-educate my mind. And the education needs to be done with the written word. What God says you are, not what you are feeling, not what you think, not what the devil is putting in your mind, not what you are feeling, not what you saw your friend do. You can look at friends and get it wrong. But what the word of God says you are. 
so the believer re-educates renews his mind with the written word then the believer recognizes what the written word says that's why i say you can't take that thing out of it till you acknowledge that god's word is his word that is vital acknowledging even though i am feeling this way this is what the word of god says and the only thing we do to god's word is we believe The Bible says that the same gospel that was preached to us was preached to them. The problem is that they didn't miss it with faith. If God speaks and you don't miss it with faith, there's nothing that can be done. There's no more. He says if the words that were spoken by angels were with just compensate of reward, how much more? Those who neglect so great salvation. If this word of God, you don't believe it, there's nothing to be done. So I, the believer, I renew my mind with what God says I am. And when I am educating myself, I'm not just saying words. I am believing what the word of God says. And then when I am believing it, that is acknowledging, then I'll be able to walk in the will of God. So the will of God, or walking in the will of God, is walking in what he says you are. What he says you are. That's walking in God's will. God says you are righteous. Say, I am righteous. Then you are walking in God's will. God says you are a son. You say, I'm a son. And you act like a son. Then you know you are walking. But when God says this, you are saying this. And you are trying to find every reason to prove that God is wrong. There will be a special case. Are you here? Next point. When a believer does not... This is another serious point. When a believer does not have a renewed mind, when a believer does not have a renewed mind, he or she will become, sorry, when a believer does not have a renewed mind, he or she will behave or conduct him or herself according to the systems of this world. When a believer does not have a renewed mind, he or she will behave or conduct himself or herself according to the systems of this world. If I don't renew my mind with God's word, I'll be behaving like an unbeliever. And thinking it is okay. When unbelievers, unchristians have not renewed their mind, they want the church to accept their stupid dressing. Any stupidity they do, they think we have a problem. But when a believer renews their mind with God's word, when you renew your mind with God's word, the word doesn't become your yastic. You will be able to approve what is good and what is pleasing before God. When the word is your yastic, 
you think we should allow you to do anything you like. <laughs> Next point. This also means that the skillfulness, oh, this is key. This also means that the skillfulness, please let me start again. This also means that a skillfulness, eh. This also means that a skillfulness is made available to the believer. A skillfulness is made available to the believer in the precise knowledge of what God has done in Christ. There is a skillfulness that has been made available to the believer in that precise knowledge of Christ. So in the precise knowledge of Christ is made available a skillfulness for the believer. In the precise knowledge of Christ. Is made available in that precise. That is when you understand who you are in Christ. There is a skillfulness made available in that knowledge. Again, there is also an insight made available to us. In in the precise accurate knowledge of Christ. Knowing who we are. There is an insight that is made available to us that we can walk in in our everyday life. When you understand who you are in Christ, you know what a Christian does not do and what a Christian does. See some Christian sisters wearing anklet on their leg. Are you a fetish priestess? I mean, where are you learning it from? Is it in the Bible? They copy the world blindly. There are some things I ask people. There are some things. Ask yourself. You know the sad thing? Some people will never take these things to their office, but they will bring it to church. Their office will not allow them to wear Toma on their legs. As a banker. As a teller. Teller. That people are not even going to see your leg. The bank will not permit them to do that. But they think God will permit them to dress like that. Some say I'm wearing things that exposes their body. Wear short things to church. All because of grace. You see, when it comes to dressing in Christianity, it's one knowledge, conscience, and then the other man. Your knowledge reflects in how you dress. And when you have a knowledge that you are a minister of God, if you are called upon to come and stand in the pulpit and preach, and an outsider comes, how would they see you if you are standing there? 
Do you see yourself as a minister? Sometimes I even tell people, the way you are dressed, if the president calls you and they want to bring you on TV, do you say you want to go home and change? If you say that, it means something is wrong with you. So if you don't have mirror in your house, use Christian sisters as mirror. Ask yourself. Because your excuse is that you don't have mirror. So you didn't see that your dress was very tight and exposing your underwear. Some things are called under. A what? Underwear, not forward wear. So if it's under, you keep it under. You don't come and show under to the public. Next point. I said there is an insight made available to us. When we have precise knowledge, there is an insight that is made available to us and we walk in that insight. The word of God shows me who I am. So I walk like that. I walk in that light. I dress in that light. I talk in that light. I behave. I conduct myself in that light. Because it's not only dressing. You can wear a long skirt. And rubbish comes from your mouth when you speak. Some people, you, if you look at their dressing, you get deceived. Almost static as Obana. Next point. So as we increase, as we increase or grow, as we increase or grow in this understanding, as we increase or grow, or as we increase and grow, in this understanding, there comes a skillfulness. There comes a skillfulness which becomes evidence in our thoughts. Oh, I like that one. In our words and in our actions. So as we increase and grow in this understanding, there comes a skillfulness which becomes evidence in our thoughts, in our words, and in our action. That is when the believer receives precise understanding and he acknowledges and walks in them. It comes with a skillfulness that becomes evidence when the believer acts you see the knowledge and the understanding they have in Christ in their actions. The knowledge you know is the knowledge you act. So the believer acts graciously because he has understood the gospel that we preach or the gospel that was preached to you. When you increase in your knowledge of Christ, it reflects in your thoughts. In your thoughts. Bible says love, things good of all. Have us no evil. Love is kind, love is meek, love is patient. So when you increase in knowledge, it reflects in the things you think about. It reflects. And then it reflects in how you talk. What you say, what comes out of your mouth. Before things come out of your mouth, you, 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 oh God, you talk out of graciousness. 
So the gospel is not only in the one you are preaching for people to be saved. The gospel is what you think, what you say, and what you do. So if you are telling people God has forgiven them their sins, it should be in your thoughts. It should be in your actions. When others offend you, you, we should see the gospel there. Are you following? So, my increase in knowledge makes people recognize Christ in me. Your increase in knowledge. It makes people recognize it it will be seen first Corinthians excuse me let's do first Corinthians 13 look at verse 4 first Corinthians 13 mm-hmm. first Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4 Charity suffereth long. That's love. Maybe go to the talkative one. Amplify. First Corinthians thirteen four. First Corinthians chapter thirteen, the verse four. Mm-hmm. Love endures. He says, "Love endures long." And is patient and kind. Love is patient and is kind. Love never is envious. So instead of love, put me. Since you are ready, you mention your name and see if it mirrors the knowledge of fashion starts. Naki is. Ah. This what has become a problem. Everybody that you put your name there, and as you read, we all read along. Young boy, Naki and long. Okay, I'm, I'm wondering why she's laughing. Young boy, Naki and long and is patient. Okay, and kind. Okay. Naki never is envious nor nor boils over with jealousy. Okay. It's not boastful. Okay. Or vainglorious. Okay. Does not display itself hotly. Okay. It is not. Hey, who is that? It is. (laughs) Put your name there. She is not conceited, okay, arrogant, uh-huh. and inflated with pride. Okay. She is not rude, okay, and unmannerly, uh-huh. and does not act unbecomingly. Okay. God's love, okay, love, uh, Naki, God's mm-hmm. love in us does not insist on its, on her own rights. Mm-hmm. Or own way, mm-hmm. for she is not self-seeking. For Naki is not self-seeking. She is not touchy or fretful or resentful. Mm-hmm. She takes no account of the evil done to her. Okay. 
She pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Okay. She does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. Okay. But rejoices when right and truth prevails. Okay. She bears up under anything and everything that comes. Okay. Is never ready to believe the best of every person. She's what? She's ever, sorry, ever uh, ready. You ever are. Ever ready. Ever ready. Naki. Is ever ready. Mm-hmm. To believe the best of every person. Mm-hmm. She hopes... Sorry. Her hopes are fade, are faithless under all circumstances. Mm. Her and hope it, are faithless. Uh, what? Faithless. Are faithless. That means the believer does not lose hope. Even when things look as if this person will disappoint me. The believer... Does not fade in faith. Finish. And she endures everything mm. without weakening. Mm. She, she never fails. Mm-hmm. Never fades out or becomes obsolete or be, or comes to an end. Mm-hmm. As for prophecy, the gift of inter- interpreting the divine will they and they purpose. Fail. Okay. It, Next point. So, sometimes the best way to do is to put your name there. You are laughing at her. When you go home on your own, you to put your name there and see if you are reflecting who the word of God says you are. Because that's, what, that's how God sees you. God sees you as all that she mentioned. It is you who have to renew your mind to see yourself like that. Are we here? God sees you like that. That's how God sees you. Next point. The wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Which is the written word. The wisdom of God which is the written word, helps us to place value on spiritual realities. The wisdom of God, which is God's word, it helps us to place value on spiritual realities. That is the word of God will tell you who you are and he wants you to see what it says than what others are saying. The word of God will help you to prioritize God above human systems. Some people are more concerned about their friends more than how God feels and the work of God. If you understand the word of God, you will not even choose family over God's word. Some people, their problem is their family. Jesus, in the four gospels, when disciples were being chosen, one said he wanted to go and bid farewell to his family. Another wanted to go and bury the father. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You go preach the gospel. The one who wants to go and bid farewell. Jesus said, he that puts his hand to the plow and turns back. It's not fit. You can't be double-minded though. 
Priority is priority. You don't forsake your family, but God must always be first. We, are, we, are easily, we can easily use our mouth to say, You are, are da, da, de, de. You are all that I cling to. You mean more than this world to me. And I will trade you, oh Male. You know you are lying. You have been trading him like Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> He had been trading God like a player on fancy football. <laughs> we just sing things to excite ourselves. Or we sing we don't mean it. But when you understand the word of God, you will learn value. The word of God enlightened us to place value. Put God first. So it is church time. There's a family meeting. You choose to go to family meeting because you are worried about what the family will say vis-a-vis men, women that God has given you the opportunity to serve. You don't understand value. You understand? When you understand some things, you will never do. So we teach and you, you understand. Are you here? Say the wisdom of God, which is the written word, helps us to place value on spiritual realities, which in turn, when we place value on spiritual realities, it in turn affects our conduct, our relationships, and our decisions. Oh my goodness, this is so deep. The wisdom of God, which is the written word, will help us to place value on spiritual realities, which in turn will affect our conduct, our relationships, and our decisions. So when I value spiritual things, It will affect my conduct. It will affect the decision. If I have to take a decision, it is where my value is. Decisions are based on value. What you value informs the decision. I have a job. Should I take the job? The job they told you, if they can't use Sunday square, we work, oh, we work on Sundays. We work on Thursdays. The value you play on spirituality, on the things of God, will inform your decision. To that job. So you don't need to go to God and say, God, should I take it or not take it? The word of God becomes the light for that decision. There are certain opportunities takes you from the church. And when it takes you from the church, how are you going to grow spiritually? So are you valuing your spiritual life vis-a-vis comfort of this world that is temporal? So the wisdom of God, which is the written word, helps us to place value on spiritual realities, which in turn affects our conduct. Then it affects our relationship. If you value spiritual things, nobody can just be your friend. 
if you value spiritual things, you will know a relationship that is affecting your spiritual growth. You will know. And then it affects your decisions. Some of us valuing spiritual realities will not make family laugh. Well, some of us, if you don't take your father, you will stop talking to you. But the question is, what is your value? Do you value your mother's anger above the work of God? It's as simple as that. It's as simple as where your value is. So that my decisions is not below the value of spiritual reality. That you are into ministry. And the decision you must take is ministry that informs the decision. Every other thing becomes secondary. Every other thing. Except you don't believe that there's a judgment seat which I all appear before. That's why there are sacrifices you take. You may, you may not have the houses your friends have, but it's a decision you need to take. Sometimes I see my friends, they are taking pictures of some island they are. How nice. But some of these things, you have to deprive yourself for a higher calling. For a higher calling. They can, it, it, it looks very nice when you watch them on Facebook. It's as if they have a better life compared to what you have. It's because you don't understand spiritual realities. That's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world. This world, they show. They show. They show. Make to believe. The person doesn't have anything. No, according to the we can selfie. No, I agree. I say, hey, my classmate, he can't work on It's make to believe. That's why there's nothing Jesus did to show off. Christianity, we don't show off. Even when you have, you are not supposed, we don't show off. We don't show off anything. What we show off is Christ. There's nothing self we show in Christianity. We decrease, he increases. So the richest man is not known. He doesn't show the wealth in church. It's all about Christ. We don't want to know the car you brought. We don't go outside to go and see who brought the car. It does not matter. Christianity, they never celebrated anybody giving birth to a child. In answer of Apostle, where did you see? They were going to dedicate somebody's house. Car. No. When they spoke about houses and land, you know what they spoke about? The men brought it as a gift to support the needy. Those who had houses and lands, the next thing they said, they brought it at the feet of the apostles. So wealth in Christianity is not to show off. Let me put it in a better sentence and context for you. 
In Christianity, we don't show off anything material. You don't show off. Whether you are married, you are not married. Whether you have money, you don't have money. Whether you are employed, you are not employed. It is not part of Christianity. Christianity teaches, you should marry, it teaches, you should have a job. But we don't come and celebrate. It's not a celebration. The testimony we carry is the testimony of Christ. Are you here? So the wisdom of God, which is the written word, helps us to place value on spiritual realities, which in turn affects our conduct. It affects our relationships and decisions. When you value spiritual things, when you get a spiritual relationship, you value it. Some people value their earthly bosses than spiritual brothers and sisters. I don't even want to talk about pastor. can leave the Christian brother there and go and attend to a non-believer. Christian must learn value and honor. Because that person, no matter how small they are, they carry God in their inside. And then we give double honor to those who labor. So the honor you give your father, you give times two to those who labor in doctrine. That's what the Bible teaches. So if you respect parents more than your spiritual head, something is wrong with you. You are not taught well. Double honor should be given to the elders who labor in the doctrine. Double honor. Because he had said, honor your father and mother. Then he says, double honor. Therefore, the written word is the primary judge. Therefore, the written word is the primary judge of whether we are walking in God's wisdom, which is God's will for our lives or not. Therefore, the written word is the primary judge of whether we are walking in God's wisdom, which is into bracket God's will, for our lives or not. Do you get that? When you want to know whether you are walking in God's will or not, it is the written word that becomes a judge of that. Compare your decisions with what the word of God says. You know whether you are walking in the will of God or you are not. Sometimes, in the eyes of the world, it might not be logically accepted. There are things you hear from the pulpit. I'm sure someone say, How can you say that you should honor your pastor more than your mother who gave birth to you? Sometimes, the eyes of the world, it might not be logical to accept this. This is because the world sees God's wisdom as foolishness. The world sees God's wisdom as foolishness. That's why the world is not our yastic. 1 Corinthians 2.14. I'm wrapping up. Time is up. I'll take that sentence again. 
I said it might not look, it might not be logical, it might not be logically acceptable, and this is because the world sees the word of God as foolishness. And from the top. Therefore, the written word is the primary judge of whether we are walking in God's wisdom, which is God's will for our lives or not. Sometimes in the eyes of the world, it might not be logically acceptable. And this is because the world sees the word of God as foolishness. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Mm-hmm. But the natural man receives. But the natural not mind will not receive the, the things of, of the Spirit, Spirit of God. For, for they, they are foolishness, foolishness him. unto him. Neither can he know them. Neither can the physical, earthly unbeliever know them. Because they are spiritually descended. Because they are spiritually descend. There are things I will tell you till you spiritually descend it, you will not get it. Are you here? But to us, next point, but to us believers, the written word, to the unbeliever is foolishness, but to us, the, to us believers, the written word, the revelation of Christ, but to us believers, the written word, the revelation of Christ, which is contained in the epistles, is the wisdom of God for our lives. But to us believers, the written word, the revelation of Christ contained in the epistles is the wisdom of God for our lives. And this is the voice of God to us. When you are reading the epistles, you are reading the voice of God concerning your decisions, your conducts. And your actions. Did you get that? It is in the written word we have evidence. It is in the written word we have evidence of what God, our Father, has accomplished for us. It is in the written word we have evidence of what God, our Father, has accomplished for us in us and also doing through us in Christ. It is in the written word. We have evidence of what God, our Father, has accomplished for us in us and also doing through us in Christ. First Corinthians 2.16 It is in the written word. We have evidence of what God our Father has accomplished for us in us and also doing through us in Christ Jesus. Yeah, go ahead. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Mm-hmm. For who has known the mind for of God? For who has known the mind of God? That he may instruct that him. That he, God, will instruct him. We but we have. have the mind of Christ. We believers, we have. Last two points. Therefore, therefore, the primary way God leads us believers, therefore, the primary way God leads us believers 
is via the written word. Therefore, the primary way that God leads us believers is via the written word. That is the epistles, which are the revelation of Christ. Therefore, the primary way God leads us believers is via the written word. That is the epistles, which are the revelation of Christ. Next point. When we read the epistles, when we read the epistles and see instructions, when we read the epistles, when you read Romans, Corinthians, Hebrews, and you see instructions, this is God leading and directing the believer. When we read the epistles and see instructions, this is God leading and directing believers in how to conduct our lives in our everyday life. So, I want to marry. And then I read the epistle. It says, be, be not equally yoked with a non-believer. It's an instruction. It means that it doesn't matter how much I love him. If he is not a believer, he can't be considered. Next week, I'll talk about marriage. Mm, Definitely. Therefore, he said, when we read the epistles and see instructions, this is God leading and directing us in how we should conduct ourselves in our everyday life. Last point for today. So for there, no, no, no. So for these clear instructions, so for these clear instructions in the epistles, into bracket, honor, do this, do that, all the instructions in the epistles, for these clear instructions in the epistles, there is no need for the believer to then ask or wonder or pray whether this or that is the will of God or not. Did you get that? That's a very important point. For these clear instructions in the epistles. So the more I read the epistles and understand what God has done, who I am. Watch this. I have to wrap up this way. So when I read the epistles, which gives me who I am, what I am, what I have, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. In these epistles is God's will and God's instructions. So when I read the epistles and they instruct me, I know them, I acknowledge them, I walk in them. When I do that, I then now don't come and ask, hey, is this the will of God? Should I do this? Should I do that? It's a waste of time. Because the epistles are our instruction. You want to find a job. The question, what is your priority? How does the job affect your service in God's house? How does it affect your spiritual growth? In that, you know God's will. Whether to or not do. You want to relocate. You want to marry. You want to travel. Question. 
How does it affect your spiritual growth? Because the will of God is spelled out in the epistles. And the will of God is being given in instructions and exhortation. So when I read the epistles, I'm able to know the will of God. Is that clear? We close on that note for today. This was a message from the General Overseer of Yakal House, Reverend Gilbert Osei. We are available anytime for prayer, support, and counseling. Please don't hesitate to call us on 0544 600 600. That's 0544 600 600. We love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.